Easter round is always one of the great rounds of footy. While Buddy vs Martin failed to materialise, the Swans are set to test their credentials at the G on Saturday afternoon against the Tigers. We've got the match preview, we'll give you our matchups, key points, predictions and the weekend forecast. I'm Justin Mitchell and with me is Heather Quinlan this Thursday night. It's the Swans Cast Extra, the number one Sydney Swans weekend preview podcast. Heather, great to have you on again. How are you? Oh, thanks, Justin. Yeah, it's excellent to be here. It's actually been quite a while since we last did this. Uh, last year was just fairly chaotic for, for all concerned. And yeah, it just seems like a long time since we last um, chatted about the Swans. And I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. We always love having you on. I think the last time we might have had you on was 2019, at some point during 2019. That sounds right. And, you know, it seems like a long time ago, but I don't know. The time seems to have flown by. Wasn't 2020 a weird season? I mean, I'm glad that that there was a premiership and I'm I'm glad for (laughs) Richmond that they got there and, you know, won a a premiership. But really, the whole thing was was really quite strange. And uh, I'm glad that we've moved on into 2021. It was. It was a very interesting year. And I love the changes the AFL have made ahead of the 2021 season. It's interesting. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch a lot of the Fox Woody shows that they have during the week. They've got AFL 360, On the Couch, The First Crack Podcast, and a bunch of other shows. And it's really interesting reading a lot of the content in the news and listening to radio shows and watching these shows. A lot of the commentators and pundits and writers are waxing lyrical about the swans at the moment, but they don't really look at what has been set up in the last few years. And it's actually Gerald Healy who rightly pointed out that this isn't something that we've just done this season and it's not some magic parlor trick that Don Pike has done. You know, sure, he's at it a lot, but we actually saw this transition one to two years ago. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I I think it's quite superficial to just go kind of go, oh, well, hey, look at these amazing young players that are coming through <laughs> when, you know, some, some yeah. of them have been in the Swans Academy since they were 10 years old, you know. So yeah. it's obviously been, yes... A, a great deal of sort of planning and sort of careful management and and development of uh, some of the wonderful talent that we have. So it is nice though to be hearing some of this commentary though in really positive terms around the Swans because um, it's been too long. Well, yeah, it has been too long, and uh, there's some pretty dire predictions at the end of last year. <laughs> well, <about. laughs> yours truly wasn't particularly over confident, but <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. New day. Yeah. New day. <laughs> New- New new ideas and 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 a fre- and a fresh look and and um yeah so I mean let let let's celebrate the uh, the good times while while they're with us ah celebrating a hundred percent and one of the interesting things I guess that has really happened recently with the resurgence you can say a lot of people forgot how good we were last year in patches and it's only a few a few people like Jared Healy and the guy from AFL three hundred and sixty his name escapes me Gerald Waitley that's right. Only those two have really acknowledged, and David King, in patches that Sydney have actually shown some of this form and some of this excitement last year. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that they, all three of those, do tend to take quite a balanced look at things. Um, some would say that Jared is a little biased towards the Swans, yeah. but, but <laughs> yeah. for obvious reasons, because <laughs> yes. of his, his his great connection with the club. But, I, I mean, I feel like uh, um, that at the end of the day, what people say about the Swans is, is, you know, worthy of listening to, but really um, it'll be the deeds on the park that, that really stick with people. So, um, you know, let, let's see if 
you know, the, the young team that is the Swans at the moment can continue with that as as the weeks roll on because I think that'll be their greatest challenge, of course, is um, being able to... Th those young legs are going to run out of steam eventually. So let's see what happens. Time will definitely tell. And speaking of youth, you just mentioned before that some of these players have been in the academy system since they were 10. Just look at Logan McDonald, who was three years old when Buddy Franklin debuted, and it was just amazing watching them out on the park on the weekend. But then there was a really, really good piece about Braden Campbell out today that his father didn't really have an AFL background. So he actually learned to play football and learned to kick in a very unorthodox fashion, whereby he and his father would go to a park and he would actually have a target of having kicking between the chains on a swing set. And the further they got away, the more accurate they actually became. And that was a pretty amazing piece, Heather. Yeah, look, I haven't read that 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 story, but I love the sound of that. It, to me, the first thing I thought of was, um, and this is a bit weird, but Sir Donald Bradman when he was a young fellow, yes. um, yeah. hit, hitting a ball with the, with the stump, you know, and, and that's yeah. how he, he sort of you know, improved his accuracy and I guess his uh, hand-eye coordination um, by doing it that way. So really, isn't that incredible the way you can kind of develop your skills in really unorthodox uh, ways and oh, I love that I love that story and um, certainly you've got to love uh, Braden Campbell's great leg on him he is oh, yeah. a magnificent magnificent kick and uh, I always sort of enjoy um, uh, Jordan uh, oh god I've had a brain Jordan Dawson yep. Jordan Dawson's um, excellent left leg um, and his accurate kicks but um, you know Campbell really between the pair of them they've really um, yeah, given us another dimension, really, coming out of defence. Oh, they have. And when we had Ted Richards on the show a couple of years back before Jordan Dawson really got his opportunity at senior level, and I remember Josh and I were on the show and we were asking him, when is he going to get a chance? And he was saying he's going to get his chance soon. His left foot is absolutely lethal. He was regarded highly regarded at the club as the best kick at the club, and he's definitely one of the best kicks in the AFL. And this kid is better He's so good. He's ridiculously good. And it's great that we've actually got these young players coming through. And they're ready-made football players. And they are now having an immediate impact. And the impact they are having is such that we haven't really seen this before. We've seen young players come through. You know, the highly tattered ones that normally pick one to three. And they have a bit of an impact. Like Sam Walsh, he comes to mind from Carlton. But have we had, you know, have we seen this before? Three kids join one team and bang right off the bat. They're just good, like immediately good. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't like to say it's never happened, but certainly doesn't happen very often. So we're lucky. Yeah, no, it's true. It's very true. So let's kick off the show. We've got a couple of things to address first up. And obviously everyone knows it's the news around town. Buddy Franklin is out. Heather, what do you make of this one? Oh, I think that they're managing him and I think they, they flagged they were going to manage him and I think this is all about the management so that he can have uh, you know, suitable time off, you know, rest the weary bones um, and the bones that really haven't played for an awfully long time. He would have he would have been feeling it this week. I reckon there could have been a few spa baths, a few dunks and ice baths and what have you. So yeah. I, I think it's pretty sensible and um, given that Franklin really made an excellent contribution in last week's game and... Um, look quite sharp and look pretty fit. I think it's a really smart move and I don't have any issues with that at all. I think it's, you know, just intelligent and, uh, you know, full credit to the club for, for carrying it through. 
Yeah, I agree completely. And Harley spoke as well uh, yesterday and today that he clarified and reiterated that the Swans, they tried to get him back and ready for round two. And when they knew they were going to play him, they always targeted the Richmond and Essendon games as one of the two he wouldn't play. And when you look at the start we've got, in no way, shape or fashion did anyone expect this. I can't imagine anyone from the club expected this kind of start. So the question then becomes, well, do you play him in a game that Sydney might be able to win and does including him push you over the edge? Or do you rest him and play him in a game that you expect to win or have a better chance of winning and have him ready for the follow-up match against the Giants, who they're really struggling at the moment, and it gives you another chance to win those two games as opposed to playing him for Richmond, missing against Destin and five days later, and it gives them more of a chance to win. Mm. Well, they need to be strategic. I'm sure they're thinking very carefully about how they're going to do it, and they're looking at the they're looking at the fixture, and they're looking at him, and, and and what have you. But I think at the end of the day, they have to really also be guided by how the player feels after the match, and what other factors. There's a bunch of factors there at play. Um, I'm assuming by what you've said that very few people um, would be anticipating that the Swans would win. The match uh, this weekend against Richmond, so you know you could look at it like that. That that well, we haven't got much chance anyway, so let's rest him. But I think it probably goes deeper than that, really. Yeah, I agree. And just on that, the kiss of death didn't even tip us. All the experts were like, you know, twelve zip to Richmond again. So last time that happened, we won. So you know, I'm confident that we're in with a little bit of a chance. It's a slim chance given that they are that good. But the way that we are playing, we definitely have an excellent chance in that game. The other thing on top of the agenda is that fortunately the Swan survived the Brisbane COVID chaos. We didn't have any positive tests. Brisbane had to go into a snap three-day lockdown. On Monday and Tuesday, we were looking at isolating and missing training, but the club were able to get exemptions on Tuesday to train on Tuesday afternoon. And in the end, the COVID shutdown really didn't have any impact on the Swans or their preparation at all. And they flew down today. Yeah, that's that. They've definitely escaped um, something there, and yeah, I do. I do note that uh, Brisbane's uh, three-day lockdown has has ended, and there was only sort of one case, new case, um, arising from that. So, I think everybody was very cautious, and now there's been a, you know there's been a good response. And yes, the Swans were very fortunate to um, yeah survive and evade that potentially quite ridiculous issue where um, theoretically the whole Swans team could have been sitting in a hotel room locked down yeah. not, not even able to play this week so yeah thank goodness yep. yeah, that like hasn't occurred. So in Brisbane's case they had Dane Zorko come on Monday on TV and he said that most of the players didn't bring down any additional training gear and they only brought down enough clothes for tonight's well two days the day before and the day after, and they were on the bus leaving the Sofitel Hotel when they were told to get off the bus. So their preparation has just been thrown out of whack. So it's a great thing for us from Sydney. We haven't had to actually deal with anything like that, Heather. Yeah, I oh, totally agree, um, Justin. And, and also, too, I, I feel uh, quite sympathetic towards uh, Brisbane because, I mean, let's face it, uh, they could really not have predicted you know, exactly what was going to happen there. Um, and potentially I think all clubs now are going, oh, well, when we do travel, potentially we'll pack a few extra changes <laughs> yeah. of clothes just on, yep. just on the off chance that we, that we get stuck. But I think yep, that exactly. it, sort of shows, it shows that we're all learning through a pandemic. We're all learning. Yeah. 
And we still are, and the AFL at least has in place a really good process to deal with that and help manage that. And to assist the clubs, it's just funny that players are basically down at Kmart and Target shopping for tops and pants and underwear, and everyone's having a bit of a laugh about it. <laughs> but fortunately this week, Heather, we didn't actually ask if anyone had any player spotting for the social media questions. No, exactly. No. So for our question for this match, we asked our crowd, how do we stop the greatest midfielder of our generation? Heather? Right. Well, James on Facebook said, chuck Warner on him, just give him a bit of learning experience. It can only be good for him. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I said the same thing earlier this week. <laughs> yeah, it is a good one. I'm not going to lie. I said the same thing earlier this week. <laughs> it's a good one. Now, Jonathan from Twitter, he has said, would have loved to see Kirk versus Martin, but I guess we'll have to see what Warner and Eyebrows Hewitt can do. And John from Facebook said, don't allow Richmond to set the pace of the game. Ah, that's easier than said than done, John. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is. It is. They are experts at their game plan. They've won three flags in four years from it. Stephen from Facebook said, I've heard Justin Lepich say that Rampy should stay on Dusty even up the ground in the midfield. On that one, I've seen him play on Martin Ford and it doesn't look pretty. Yep, 100%. Uh, now we have Swan Hacks from Instagram. Less focus on stopping them and more on playing the game. That's got us here like an old-fashioned shootout. Yeah, he's got a point there. And I, I think that that's uh, yeah. certainly something that the, the coaching staff from the Swans will be looking at. And that is playing our game and, and not being absolutely Dustin Martin focused completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you look at the way that Melbourne, rather Hawthorne, tried to play him last week, and they had Berglund on him, and some of the analysis after the fact was that he didn't have that big of an impact. But the thing is, the guy could have had five or six goals, so I kind of find the analysis a bit biased, so it wasn't quite accurate. Now, Alan from Facebook, you're going to like this one. Yeah. He has said, taunt him in an outrageous French accent. If you will not show us the grail, we shall take your castle by force. You don't frighten us, English pig dogs. Go and boil your bottom, sons of a silly person. I'll blow my nose at you, so-called Arthur King. You and all your silly English knickets. What a strange person. Now look here, my good man. I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough whopper. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Is there someone else up there we could talk to? No, now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. I, I absolutely love it. I love it. Give it a, sh give it a shot. Steve from Facebook says, will be a team approach. And yes, there could be more than one player. Get, get, a, get yep. a go, for sure. And the last one is Annette from Facebook. She said, definitely need to be a variety of players throughout the game. So, yeah, I, I think that's going to happen a, a bit like Dangerfield, I guess. When we play Geelong with Dangerfield, we don't necessarily shut him down. We just try to shut down the areas where he is most dangerous. A hundred percent. And I think it's also, that's really kudos to Dustin Martin, because let's face it, if, you, if you're good enough to need uh, a few different players rolling on and rolling off you, um, you know, you're a quality, quality player. And there's no doubt Dustin Martin is, is really one of the best of his yeah. generation. He's uh, outstanding. 
a lot of people are going to look at, you're looking at Gary Ablett Jr. as the best player, but I think the impact that Dustin Martin has on the game far exceeds that Gary Ablett had on the game. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Gary Ablett was a freak, but the stuff that Dustin Martin does, he rips teams to shreds with just a handful of possessions. He's just so damaging. Oh, he totally is. And, you know, I don't know whether we're now segueing nicely into our uh, into our preview of the match here, Justin. But <laughs> but but I think I could I think I could safely say that Dustin Martin has his greatest impact on the big games. Um, yep. He will always be smooth, silky, punchy, dynamic, and he'll make an impact on any game. But the fact that he can bring it for the big games is what really sets him apart. Well, three Norm Smiths from three grand final wins. You can't argue with that. No, you, de- you definitely can't. And the only thing I would, would say about Dustin Martin in the negative is that he hasn't do- he's not playing for the greatest club of all, which is the Sydney Swans. Well, we tried and he tried. It just didn't work. It was apparently one month thing when he was a kid. If he stayed in Sydney for a month longer, he would have qualified for the Swans. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Damn big time. Let's kick off into the preview of the match. We've got an interesting history against Richmond, to say the least. During their premiership years, it hasn't been that good, but we have played some ultra-competitive games, and it's kind of interesting that we actually beat Richmond at the MCG in, I want to say, 2016 or 2017. I think it was 2017 when Gary Rowan won both games in a row when he kicked a goal on or after the siren. And since then, we haven't been flogged by them. The Tigers aren't a high-scoring team. We've been dominated, but we haven't been flogged. Some of the games have been quite quite close, especially the last game, which we lost by just eight points. Yeah, I think we've had some close ones against the against the Tigers, but I think in the last few years they've obviously, I mean, they've just been been too good for the Swans. They've just been really better, um, a, a better team all around. But um, it does give you some sort of hope, uh, and I say that even though my heart of hearts, I know that really what's occurred in season 2020 doesn't really often bear a lot of relation to what's happening in season 2021. So, you know, you can look at the the recent form and go, hmm, doesn't look that good. You know, they've lost, um, uh, sorry, they've won just two of their last eight matches against the Tigers. But, you know, at the end of the day, is that stat relevant? It doesn't look great because, yeah. because it's two of the last eight. And the, the Swans are a different team this year. So, um, you know, and it is early in the season. So I think it would be a good opportunity to really, um, you know, surpri- spring a bit of a surprise on the Tigers. Um, so we'll just have to see how it plays out, I think. Yeah, and that record actually goes all the way back to 2014. We we beat them in 2014, but then at the tail end of the season, round 23, we actually lost to them by three points. And I wouldn't exactly say that it was a particularly pleasant performance from a certain perspective. It wasn't good. But then we had an 18-point loss and then that absolutely harrowing one-point loss in 2016. And that was early in the season. And then in round 23, we flogged the living daylights out of them. And the one thing that I remember from that match was Trent Cotchin fist-pumping the air when he kicked two goals in a row when they're already down by 140 points. <laughs> that was kind of weird. That's yeah, it was really kind weird. Of weird. Like, it was really, really weird. What I want to ask is, Justin, why have uh, the Swans not played the Tigers at the MCG since round 13 of 2017? Seems like a long time ago. 
Yeah, it is. It is really interesting. We played at Docklands a couple of times in a row. We actually played the last, well, before the Gabba, this is COVID last year, but the previous two engagements, we actually played them at Docklands, which was interesting. But we beat them the last time we played them at the MCG. We, we beat them, which was the Gary Rowland goal around the end of the game. You know, we won by nine points and it was an absolutely thrilling game too. They kicked the opening uh, four or five goals of the game and were up by almost 40 points. Hmm. I think the Swans actually have had some successes in general, not not necessarily against the Tigers, but they've had some reasonable successes at the MCG. And people forget about that and think, oh, they're not very good there, they're not very good there, because there's a, you know, obviously quite a, quite a difference between the dimensions and um, what have you of the, of the SCG as compared with the MCG. But in actual fact, they, they don't play badly there. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this weekend's uh, game because I, I feel like with that um, mix of the, of the young players with some of the more experienced players who appear to be refreshed after their, their summer off and what have you, I feel like um, you know we're in a pretty good position to at least give it, give it a good shot. And I think that one of the things that always strikes you about young players is that they just don't have the burden of previous failures or you know inability to live up to expectation on their yeah. shoulders they just play with sort of a freedom that carefree kind of way that it's it's quite compelling and I, I i'm really looking forward to watching this match i think it's it's going to be fantastic yeah absolutely and for me the result doesn't matter Ideally, you know, I'd love nothing more than a Swans win in this one. You know, don't get me wrong. I am extraordinarily passionate. And you're going to see me in the stands going black and purple and blue in the face. But like I said at the season, you know, before we kicked off, it was just good performances. And I think we're going to put in a good performance and give the Tigers a good run for their money. I'm just looking at the stats that you said before, Heather. Traditionally, for a long time, we were average, like quite, quite average. We had a period, I'm just looking at the stats now, between 2007 and 2012, where we won one game and we drew one. That's how bad we were. And we lost like 10 in that time. Since then, we're actually about 70% win record at the MCG, which is really quite impressive. And we've won three of the last four, five of the last eight at the MCG. And we play the MCG very well. And in that time, we had an eight-point loss to Essendon. We lost to Geelong by 59 points in that semifinal. And we had that six-point loss to Hawthorne in 2017, which if we didn't lose that game, we would have finished top four that year. Yeah, and that does not surprise me at all. Obviously, I couldn't reel off those stats uh, the way you just have there, Justin. But I'm thinking I'd rather have the Sydney Swans' recent form at the MCG than, say, West Coast's form at the MCG. You know, <laughs> or Port Adelaide. Or Port Adelaide, you know what I mean. So, you know, yeah, I, I don't feel like that's going to be a factor on Saturday at all. No, and the really good thing coming into this it's not the older players, the statesmen who are doing the biggest work or the biggest impact. It's the young kids, all the young kids coming in, and they've contributed amazingly and beautifully. Errol Goulden, Braden Campbell, in the first two rounds, rising star nominations, where pretty much every pundit is talking about Sydney having the first three rising star nominations this year with Chad Warner and Logan McDonald. But we've also got Justin McInerney, who was impressive, very impressive at the end of last year. A bit nervous to start the match on the weekend, but he grew into it. Dylan Stevens, who can't even get in, and he was really impressive for us last year. Unfortunately, Wix is too old, Robottom too experienced, and a few other players will miss out. But we just have this really talented group of young players who are performing way above what you would normally consider the bottom six of your team, Heather. 
Well, exactly. And it's been fantastic just to watch um, these young young guys go out and really um, just well, wow the competition uh, you know, with, with what they've been doing and really well-deserved Rising Star nominations. I don't think there was any, oh, yeah. any debate, uh, even from passionate supporters from other clubs, about those nominations. So, um, no. I, you know... Let, let, let's see how they all go, um, you know, as the season season progresses. But there's no doubt in my mind that those two young players will be seen for a long time. And also uh, Logan McDonald and, and Chad Warner as well. That, that, that these are guys who, you know, fingers crossed that they uh, have good uh, experiences and uh, good, good longevity with their bodies. But I believe that we're going to be seeing those, that quartet for an awfully long time um, in hopefully in the red and white and, and certainly oh, in the yeah. AFL. <laughs> Definitely in the red and white. I'd be a bit crushed if some of these players end up somewhere else. It's kind of interesting when you look back at draft night, when we picked up Logan McDonald, he was excited to get drafted. Not sure that Sydney was kind of where he thought he would end up. Probably thought he would end up somewhere a bit different. But he is fitted in. And you look at the way he played with Franklin on the weekend and he just looks so happy to be out there and looks thrilled. So he didn't, he didn't, he didn't even want to pass to him. He said, I'm the no, full no. forward here. <laughs> he burned you him know? and screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did burn him and he did screw yeah. it up. Um, but I love that confidence. And you know what? I reckon, yeah. I reckon Buddy Franklin would have secretly gone, you know what? I think that's great. Oh, yeah, like I said before, I don't know if you watch AFL 360, but they had Jared Roughhead and Jordan Lewis, and they weren't, well, they were saying Sydney is great, but they weren't saying Buddy is going out there and being, you know, selfish old Buddy. They said that what they've talked to him about, and, you know, they've talked to, but also their own experiences, at his age and experience, he just loves being out there and playing with the kids and trying to mentor and guide them. And you can see that. He doesn't kind of march around, you know, chest all puffed out, give me the ball, give me the ball. But you could just see how happy he was. One of the young kids did something. He was one of the first people up there and, you know, congratulating them and, you know, rub their head and pat their bum and all that normal stuff. Well, he's he's done it all already, pretty much. So yep. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's where he's at in, uh, in his career. So good on him. Yeah, exactly. It was interesting watching the Swans play lately because the road so far has been a very un-Swans-like road. We're talking about 50-plus leads in the last quarter, one against a team that finished in the top four last year. The Lions, they've basically been top two the last two seasons, and we led them by 50 points with about six minutes left to go. And we led the Crows by 53 points with about 12 to 15 minutes left. I think we kicked the first two goals of that last quarter last week. You know, this actually leads us, Heather, to some really interesting stats, and I'll go through a couple of them. For the opening 10 minutes of the two matches were played and the closing sort of 10-ish minutes of the two matches were played, we've conceded 11 goals while scoring six ourselves. But we've outscored our opponents 21 goals to 14 for the rest of the matches, and we have obliterated teams in the third quarter, like completely destroyed them. And if it wasn't for the Lions kicking four goals, you know, kicking four or five goals in that second quarter... That would have actually be more like 21 goals to 9 goals, you know, completely and utterly destroying our opponents. And it brings us to the way that we are scoring. We're ranked first in the AFL for scores from the forward half, first in the AFL for scores from defensive half, first in the AFL for scores from turnovers, normally we butcher it. We're also ranked highly for chains from defense and scores from kickouts. I think we're also ranked number one for scores from kickouts. And we're also ranked number one for goals ahead of Richmond, who's third 
by 11. We're ranked number one for goal accuracy. We are 20% ahead of Richmond. We're ranked number one for goal assists. Richmond are fifth with 19. Actually, the next best, I think, is about six or seven behind us in goal assists. It's ridiculous just how far ahead we are. And we're ranked first for marks inside 50, while Richmond are third on 32. You know, So we've got 38 to 32. It's really quite stunning how attacking and efficient we've actually been in the first two rounds. I can't recall Sydney ever playing like this. Um, <laughs> well, it's I, I suspect it's been a long time, but no, that's their impressive stats for for two matches. Um, uh, I would make the would make the point that well, we all wish, don't we, that sometimes, sometimes we wish that um, what the stats say translated to precisely. <laughs> how it looked on the field and the results <laughs> yep. at the end of the match. So, you know, the, these stats are, are very good and I guess they're extremely good indicators for, of of what's occurred in the, the two matches that the Swans have played, the two, first two matches of the season. So let's hope that they continue. I think it's a really good sign that, that the style of what the Swans are playing and what the, the, the strategy is from the coaching staff and how they want them to play has really matured and changed from what it, what it was a few years back. Uh, this is the kind of footy that we all want to see, of course. We, we want to see lots of goals. We want to see a bit of run and gun. We want to see them dashing up through the centre of the field. And we want to see them bursting out of the back and being able to transition really smoothly. So this is what yeah. we want to see. It's what the, the team wants to do. So I just, I just want to see it continue. What about you? Oh, yeah, and I definitely want to see it continue. And Richmond is arguably the hardest team to do it against. The way they set up behind the ball is phenomenal. They always outnumber you behind the ball, but they are so smart and so well-drilled the way they set up, and they are very, very difficult to break down. And we've seen teams do it before, and generally speaking, the teams that have broken them down is breaking through the lines of long kicks, down the line to contested marking situations, and having players crumb. And that comes back to one-on-one matchups. You know, there's not a lot of that going on at the moment. Not a lot of one-on-one matchups except for the forward half. And I think that's where the Swans might have a benefit over Richmond in that we do have a lot of good ball users inside our forward 50. We used to play Ben Ronk through there. He's injured. He's not getting a good look in. But players of that sort were quick and didn't have particularly good ball skills or pressure skills. Now we're running Errol Goulden, who's really elite. He's an elite range kicker. We're running Papley, who's above average in pretty much every forward stat, and elite in some others. Sam Wicks, whose forward half pressure is elite. He's actually top three or four for forward half pressure players in the league, and he's only played 12 games. We're getting Chad Warner coming through kicking goals. We've got Logan McDonald taking contested marks. You know, not a huge amount, but the fact that he's taking contested marks in the first two games of his career, you know, that's amazing. Sam Reid as well, and it's really a raffle down to who the last tall timber is, if it's Hayden McLean or Callum Sinclair. So we are getting a lot of good output in our forward line, and I think that's the thing that's the key for us, is to get the ball in there quickly and to prevent Richmond from sitting up behind the ball like they usually do. Oh, 100%. I think you've, you've nailed that analysis um, completely. And I think that uh, I've, I've actually just been, uh, while you were talking, I just had a quick look at what the weather forecast was for uh, for Saturday, and obviously it's going to be a warm afternoon. It is going to be warm, but it is going to be dry. Uh, I'd like to think that that would be helpful for the Swans. Uh, I don't. I think in a in a wet weather contest, I'm not sure how that would play out, but in dry conditions, and you know, I, I think that we've got a really good shot. And you're right. I think we need to move fast, and that also has the advantage of not providing 
uh, Richmond with as many opportunities to work out uh, what our new and young players are doing. I think they would have been studying the tapes a lot this week and having a look at yeah. the impact of these players that they haven't really seen before. Uh, so that's going to be a part as well. How well have they scouted? What have they been able to pick up? Um, you know, how ready is Richmond you know, for this particular match? And you know, they're a really well-drilled club and it wouldn't surprise me um, to see them... I guess be able to execute a little bit better against those, uh, you know, against I guess the Goldens, the Logan McDonalds, the Chad Warners, who've um, had quite a lot of freedom in their first sort of two matches this year. But you know, I, I'd like to think that we've got a, a pretty good shot, and um, sort of let's see how Richmond sort of stack up in 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 match three of uh, of twenty twenty one because. Yeah, there's nothing at the moment which tells me that Richmond are falling off the edge of a cliff um, the way some premiership teams do. So that's sort of uh, warning, warning, you know, a few of the uh, red flashing lights going yeah. off for the rest of the competition, really. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think Western Bulldogs in years past, they've certainly given a bit of a blueprint but Carlton round one gave a great blueprint how to break the lines of Richmond. And it really was like fast, clean, clinical ball movement. And this is how Hawthorne used to get broken down going back to 2011 to 2015, 2016, you know, that range of years. The only thing to get through them was to be really quick, really quick and really clinical and accurate and get your contested players to take contested marks. Don't switch it. Don't go the short line because Richmond intentionally set up the player on the outside that you can pass to as a short kick. It's there. It's the lure. And as soon as you do it, you lock yourself in. Don't bother with that. Pretty much you're looking at down the line football against Richmond. And that brings us into the matchup key points and predictions, Heather. I'll kick things off with the first matchup. I've got, well, I haven't got any specific player, but whoever is at full forward versus Noah Bolter. This guy has been impressive since he debuted, and he really has filled in for Rance with a plum. It's like Rance never left. He's big, he's athletic and strong, just like Rance was. He's elite for marks. He's almost elite for intercept possessions. He's elite for contested possessions. He's elite for pressure acts. He even gets 300 meters game per game and 2.5 inside 50s. He's literally a Rance clone. Wow. Well... I'm glad that you've uh, given him such a rap there, Justin, because I could tell you absolutely nothing about that young fellow. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to watching him play 100%. Yeah, I just hope he doesn't play too well. So yeah, for exactly. me, I think the obvious in for this match is Callum Sinclair. He is the player who could probably exploit him most in the lead, and that's where you get him. You get him on the lead, not in the contest, but on the lead. Yeah, it's good to see. Uh, it'd be nice to see Sinkers back in the uh, back on the track. I've got a bit of a soft spot for uh, for him, so yeah, looking forward to seeing him play. And I love the fact with Callum Sinclair is that he kicks a sneaky goal. You never yeah. quite, you never sort of see him as a goal kicking option, but then he he just pops up all the time with his, with his well, goals, and he and he puts in a hundred percent. And you you just you can't knock that. No, good old Sinkers. We used to call him Mister Teflon Hands. He bagged five against the Bombers a few years back. I think it was 2017 or 2018. He got those goals in a best-on-ground performance, and we all thought, yes, we've got our new full forward. And I think his next best was three, and the rest were like ones. Oh, well. We value those ones, Justin. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we Especially them. if they win a match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
Well, my key matchup is really um, quite predictable here. It, it's George Hewitt versus Dustin Martin. And I, my, I'm asking the question, I'm posing the question here, can the lockdown king of the Sydney Swans stifle one of the greatest players of all time? Um, yeah, it's a good question. He, I think he, he has done before, actually. Done, I, done a good job on him the last couple of times. I, he has had some good matches on him. I'd, I'd still put sort of Martin on top overall, but he has had yeah. some, some good um, good efforts in the past. Of course, Hewitt, when we're talking about 2020 being a bit of a weird year and a bit of a wipeout for uh, a number of people, um, it certainly was for George Hewitt. He only played six games last season and um, he was struggling with a back injury and he actually had surgery on a bulging disc. But he's been really one of the most reliable Sydney Swans and a magnificent shutdown defender um, in the previous few years. So, you know, I'd love to see him have a great match and, and I think it'll be quite fascinating to see um, how he goes. I think that Martin has a yard of pace on him which could prove the difference. But, you know, it's all about the technique and it's all about being a bit crafty. And I just want to put one out there. Uh, uh, oh God, I was just going to call you Dustin. You're not Dustin, you're Justin. <laughs> Hey, if I was ever that good, I'd, I'd accept it as a compliment. I know, it is a compliment. <laughs> Just getting a bit out there, do you reckon we'll ever see somebody like Dane Rampey do a job on Dustin Martin? Because I just oh, reckon the don't, no. the don't argues <laughs> no. would be so awesome, wouldn't they? Oh, it would be great. I mean, the contest would be great to watch, don't get me wrong. But I've seen Rampey play on Dangerfield in the forward line. And on Martin in the forward line, it's not pretty. It's not pretty watching. I had a quick look at the history between the sides. If you go back to 2018, Hewitt did a reasonable enough job that Dustin Martin still had 21, but didn't get any Brownlow votes. We still lost that match, but they got us in the last quarter, really. But, you know, he did a decent job. So, yeah, it's <laughs> Let's possible. Let's move right along there before it, goes, before it goes silly. Yeah, before it all falls off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> My key point for the match, and, and I think I've touched on this before, don't fall into Richmond's trap of sideways kicks. So there was a good bit of analysis that came out of the Richmond-Hawthorne game where Hawthorne took the bait. They always kicked to the player that was open on the side and all that allowed was Richmond's defenders to shift and block. The way to get through them, like I said before, is precise kicking through basically their cluster. And if you do that, you can get them offside. The danger then is you cannot turn the ball over. You cannot let the ball bounce out of defensive 50 because then they kill you on the rebound. It'll be six against two on the rebound, and that's where they get most teams. Yeah, and that's a really good point. The good thing is that in the two matches that we've seen so far this year, they have really not been going sideways a lot, the Swans, at all. Uh, I think that's not their first choice. So um, it's a question, I suppose, of whether they can resist the temptation um, because it won't work out. We know that. that yeah. That, I think that... I think that they'd, they'd probably rather persist with not going sideways and lose by a lot than to revert to a, a style and a strategy which is, um, you know, not where they're headed for the future. So, you know, I've got my fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, and they're not a high-scoring team. And I'm just having a look at the stats from last season. Uh, obviously, we had a shorter game last season. They scored more than 100 points just once last year. Typically speaking, like I'm looking back at 2019, when they won the grand final, they scored above 100, just over a half dozen times with a higher score of 150. 
But if we can prevent that run and that break, we can get them. Now, your key point, please, Heather. Well, I'm entering, I'm entering fantasy land again, I suppose, here. Um, I was having a look at the stats, and in 1987, which seems like a lifetime ago, um, you know, even I was a teenager back then. You may not have even been born, uh, <laughs> I was Justin. Two. Oh, you I, were two. I was younger than Logan McDonald was when, he, uh, when Buddy Franklin debuted. I don't think Buddy Franklin was even alive back then. Oh, goodness me. Well, no, I'm, I'm quite ancient, but um, I can say in 1987... The Sydney Swans beat Richmond by 198 points. So they didn't only score 198 points, they actually beat them by 198 points. Which leads me on to the match that you actually uh, referenced before in uh, round 23 of 2016, when the Swans um, slaughtered Richmond, really, when, you know, there's only one way to... Um, that's only one way to sort of describe it. Um, so they, they kicked 25 goals, 164 points to, to 51. Um, and and then, of course, the Swans went on to make the grand final. They did lose to the Western Bulldogs uh, in a travesty of justice uh, in that match that I witnessed in person at the MCG. And yeah, the less said about that one, the better. The less said about that one, the better. It was, um, it, that was yeah. a really tough match. But I'm sort of thinking... Let's revisit that. You know, let's go and let's have a... What? That no, much? No, 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 no. No, no. no. no let, <laughs> let's go back to round 23, 2016 and and kick a big score against them because I reckon, you know, I reckon we can bust them open. I really do. And my confidence is really just based on the fact that um, thus far, I think the Swans have been working really hard in the last couple of years to develop... Uh, more than one avenue to goal. And I know that sounds a bit weird because with Lance Franklin, you obviously have, you know, a kick it to buddy kind of scenario. But I think that they have actually developed really excellent options um, to, to have multiple avenues to goal, which have been missing in recent years. And I just like the fact that they have these opportunities and they've got this sort of youthful spirit um, and I just feel like I'm feeling actually quite confident about about Saturday, to be honest. I think they can beat the Tigers. Well, the goal, the spread of goal kickers is actually quite impressive. And, like, they have been creating new avenues of goals. And, and, yeah, it helps when you have your young kids come along and they're booting a lot of goals. But you do need that spread. And in previous years, we've been pretty tall forward-centric. Sam Reid, Lance Franklin, and you can go all the way back to Kurt Tippett. And we just used to hit them up and try to get them to score as many goals as possible. But in our win on the weekend, we actually had nine goal kickers. And normally, we wouldn't normally have that many goal kickers. We would you know, normally be in that five to six range, but we had nine. And then if you also go back to round one, we also had seven, eight as well. Or sorry, nine goal kickers. Nine goal kickers for the first two rounds as well. As long as we can keep that spread up. Heather, I think we might be in fantasy land on that 120-point win there. Any win for me is a good win. Which brings us to our predictions for the match. Now, I've got Papley. will kick three goals. That's an outstanding prediction. He's He hasn't really... He's just been a little bit off the off the money the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? It's like he's still, still finding his mojo. What do you reckon? Yeah, it is a bit like that, but also there's no way that Richmond's going to take lightly those young players as well. No, which gives him more opportunities, right? So, um, yeah, and I, I'd like to see him do that. I think it's I think it's legitimate. 
he was sort of there, but almost there, but not quite there uh, last week. Um, I feel like you know he, he's he's going to have he's going to have a good match, and I like to think it's going to be going to be this week. I'm a big fan of um, Papley the Plumber. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's a great he's a great player. He's a great player, and my prediction for this week is um, uh, probably quite predictable, really. But I'm a bit of a fan of Chad Warner. I'm sorry, Isaac Heaney, but you know this kid. He's got the blonde locks. He's got the eye catching speed. He can kick a goal. I loved the way he played against Adelaide. Two goals, twenty disposals, and he just he just had a bit of evasiveness through the midfield, and I like the cut of his jib. So my prediction yeah. is that he's going to have another really good yeah. game this week. Yeah, he is. He is a talent. We looked at him last year and we thought he's a bit skinny, but he's come along and he's looked so good this year. I remember we talked about him after the preseason. Like, is he a project player? No. No, he is not a project player. This kid has no fear and he loves himself a goal. Well, let's get straight into the weekend forecast. Sure thing for this weekend, Heather? Well, I only had one sure thing for this weekend and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone here, but I think North Melbourne are about to lose three in a row. They're playing the Bulldogs. Yeah. They only kicked five goals against the, the Gold Coast Suns last week. And, you know, I, I don't, David, they've got a new coach, David Noble. I don't know the first thing about David Noble. Um, I do know that the chairman of North, North Melbourne um, sort of, you know, obviously wanted to hype him up. He's brought, he brought in the new coach last November and he, he was, you know, speaking quite positively about how um, they've spent some time reshaping their list and they're getting themselves into a position to bring about sustained future success, said Ben Buckley. But essentially they've been pretty rank now yeah. well, for a couple of seasons. I just don't, I just don't see it improving. No, no. The football world has quite literally turned on them which is quite stunning, but their performances to now, well, over the last season, has been utterly dreadful. My sure thing is that it's going to be lights out for the Giants at Canberra. You know, they're playing in Canberra against the Demons. It's an evening night match, and I think they are just going to start the season zip and three, and that is it. Then the pressure will be ramping up on Leanne Cameron in ways that he has never experienced before. Yep, 100% agree with that. Uh, yep, they look pretty limp last week yeah it's not going to get any better for them most at stake please heather yep this is definitely for me carlton they uh need a win at home they've uh, got a very highly touted list everyone's talking up carlton in 2021 but geez they're zero and two um they're playing Fremantle this weekend and they were pretty impressive actually at home last weekend so i'm yeah. not i'm not 100 confident but boy they uh, they really need to step it up this week yeah, Frio were amazing last week, to be honest. They should have won that match by way more, like 60 to 70 points. But if it wasn't for the fact that they were terribly inaccurate and only won by 31, oh man, we'd be talking about a different team. Frio are coming into this one with a lot of injuries. Well, most at stake for me as well as Carlton. I'm on the same page with you. This Carlton-Fremantle match is one of the most important matches of the round. You know, Now, Carlton, they aren't going to be playing finals. I think that's pretty much done and dusted for them. They will be struggling uphill for finals at this point. While Fremantle are kind of on the fringe for playing finals, but you need to look at the way the team is progressing. And David Teague is coming out and saying all the right things, but he's very repetitive in what he's saying. And they look more attacking and more exciting than they did under Brandon Bolton. But the results, you know, they're not coming. 
Well, in the spirit of a little bit of, uh, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to be make it a bit funny here, but I reckon the doomsday scenario would be, particularly given that Buddy's uh, Franklin is not going to be playing for the Swans this weekend. He's resting up at home. He's getting ready for the next ra- next round. My doomsday scenario is that he does a hamstring changing the new baby's nappy and he's out for three months. <laughs> oh, that's tragic. That's terrible. Well, Heath Grundy injured himself with his baby and there's actually history where players have injured themselves with new babies. At 100%. Like, I know that this is hilariously funny. I'm expecting all of our uh, wonderful Swanscast listeners to be laughing their heads off at my my stupid doomsday scenario. But can I just say, it wasn't that long ago, it was only a couple of years ago, that the great Roger Federer was getting his twins out of the bath and did his back and was out for a year. Yes, and there was a player, I want to say maybe nearly a decade ago, I don't remember who it was, but was pulling the pram out of the car and he slipped a disc. Yep, so you see, it's a thing. So yep. that, for me, a is a doomsday scenario. <laughs> what, what, what about yours? Yeah, bend the knees, buddy, for that one, please. Well, Miners Alliance, given everything that's happened, it's not looking good for them being on the road, but, geez, if they lose, they're zip three with Carlton. Finals is borderline at best. They came into the season as one of the favourites, rightfully so. Certainly a top four fancy. And going into the season, zip three, you know, that's it. I hate to say it, but they'll just be battling the play finals this year. Yep, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I hope that they come good, actually. I, I like Brisbane. I like watching them play, and I think that they've got some, you know, really wonderful players. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah, I agree with that. All right, Heather, thank you so much for being on again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Well, thanks, Justin. It's been excellent to, to be here. And um, look, you know, as, as I always like to say, cheer, cheer, the red and the white. We're uh, totally one-eyed, one, one eye red and one eye white here. So I hope, I hope everyone has a great, great Easter weekend and uh, that we all enjoy, um, you know, a few bits of chocolate. And, um, yep. and we also enjoy watching uh, the Mighty Swans take on Richmond at the MCG on, on Saturday afternoon. And I know you're going to be there, Justin, and, and enjoy. Oh, I certainly will, and I'll certainly be there, and no matter what happens, it'll be good to see the Swans in person again. And stay safe, everyone, and have a happy Easter weekend, and until next time, cheer, cheer the Swans. Cheer, cheer the Swans.